Hello and welcome my partners in crime. Welcome back to another true crime. We could say, is it solved? Is it unsolved? I don't know if it's one of them cases. I don't think this case will ever be solved, to tell you the truth. Um, listen, before I start on this case, I, I want to go to the background of this case. I've done the Lee Broxall case and we've done um, uh, Kevin Hicks case, didn't we, and Reese Collins case. And then Bubba, who's one of um, the members here, or subscribers here on this channel, Murder Analyzed, sent me a comment and told me about the distance between them, sort of abductions and disappearances and murders. Um, uh, in relation to this Shirley Oaks children's home. So to tell the truth, when I first started looking at this case, I was looking at it in relation to what was going on in Croydon area, London, at this time. And this was um, the case of uh, 1985, 86, 87, I think, something like that, you know, around this time. Now, um, we, we said in them sort of cases, didn't we, about the paedophiles and stuff that was going on in that area, like we had the Dirty Dozen gang, you know, Sydney Cook, you know, Hissing Sid, and all this was going on. But they were the ones we knew about, wasn't they? They was not so um, high-profile ones, these paedophiles wasn't in great jobs and you know, they worked on fairgrounds and stuff like that so they travelled around and stuff. This case though, when I started researching into this case, into this Shirley Oaks uh, children's home, um, opened up really a lot more about what was going on in this area at this time and had been going on for many many years, many many years. Um, listen, I can't I don't think I could do this case, I can't comment on every um, single victim here because there's over 750 that's come forward I think so far, maybe more, so it's impossible. I can't even comment on how many paedophiles, I can't, I can't name them all because there's just so many I'd be here all day that worked and was in this, you know, these um, children's homes in Croydon. Uh, at that time. You know, I think there was 177 different allegations of some form of abuse from people. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about, in this case as well, some of the um, inquiries that had gone on, you know, or investigations that had gone on as well, and how they've worked, how they haven't worked. So listen, there's a lot of people over the years since um, this sort of come out into the light that have investigated you know and some people have investigated this for like 18 months at a time have put a lot of work and effort into this these cases and 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 this sort of abuse so you know I have to acknowledge them and it's their work that I've researched to do this um, video on them uh, on this these victims and these survivors of this terrible terrible you know, uh, children's homes in uh, Croydon at this time. The main one being the Shirley Oaks uh, children's home in Croydon, or as it is known now as Shirley Hill, really, as you can imagine. So that's a sort of a bit of a background on why this case. So listen, there goes out a trigger warning with this case straight away, because we are going to talk about child sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, uh, racial abuse, physical abuse, 
like every abuse you can possibly think of we're going to talk about we are also going to talk about suicide or where people have thought that someone um, took their own life but it looks like now it could be a lot more sinister than that but with any victims like this you know when we're talking about multiple victims who are or who have had their lives damaged to such an extent that of course you know we are going to talk about issues like that so there is a trigger warning out on this case this case is for adult audiences only because of the graphic detail and the stuff and I've took out of um, the amount of research that I've done um, about four or five different uh, cases of um, from survivor stories not all of them have um, wanted their names used um, the ones I've used have given their names um, and then so you know there is this is a mature audience okay it is mature this is a very upsetting case to many many viewers so this case is not for you there's plenty more on murder analyze that you can watch and I suggest that you switch off now we would like to remember the paedophiles did not take the lives of our friends it was the cover-up that killed today survivors of the Lambeth care system gathered they say for decades the system couldn't care less as hundreds of children were abused some younger than five years old this was a system which allowed abusers to get to children and when they tried to speak up calculatedly covered it up survivors say Shirley Oaks children's home was a paedophile's paradise allegations were made against 177 staff and others linked to the home Shane Donnelly was abused by a man living there unofficially there was no escape it's weird how I, I, I blocked a lot out uh, I've walked with that shame and kind of kept it to myself and battled with kind of depression and all what it can tell us you know, um, uh, I found it very difficult. Um, yeah. The truth is, too many children were left to rot because this was a council riven with racism, corruption, and power struggles. There was infighting, and in the 1980s, a fight with the Conservative government. All took their toll on council services. The inquiry said children became pawns in a toxic power game that the council knowingly kept in its employment adults who posed a risk, allowing children in their care to suffer the most horrendous sexual abuse with just one senior council employee disciplined for their part in it. Well, they were so focused on their battles with central governments that they actually just left the people in their care without any focus by those very people that should have been looking after them. Do you conclude then that if there hadn't been those power battles going on within the council and between the council and government that those children may not have been put at risk? I think it's inevitable to say that because all those things were going on more abuse happened and abuse was allowed to go on for longer. Michael John Carroll hid a child sex abuse conviction to get a job in a Lambeth children's home. When it was discovered, the council kept him on. It was an absolutely horrific culture of failure and it was documented very accurately in the report that talked about extremism, corruption, 
neglect and criminality. But these survivors say the inquiry has stopped short of the full truth, an organised paedophile network in Lambeth. For me, the most outrageous thing is to say there was no paedophile ring. And it's almost as if this inquiry had certain little boxes it needed to tick off. The police were not complicit, there was not a paedophile ring. How dare you? Tonight, the Metropolitan Police apologised for missing chances to identify offenders. But the people in this room want a new inquiry into Lambeth, saying the truth still hasn't been told. So this Shirley Oaks um, Children's Home opened in about 1905, and it was intended for the purposes really to home groups of children in smaller cottages rather in these big institutions that they had, you know, in them days. So I suppose in theory, it, it, it was good. It was, um, it was meant to be much more comfortable and home-like um, environment for these children that for no fault of their own ended up into the care system in this country at this time. And this goes right the way back now, as I said, to 1905 when this first opened. Um, there were approximately 38 cottages at that time on that site. Uh, and each, I think, altogether, they could accommodate about 350 children at any one time. I think I have read in other um, places that sometimes it was actually over full and it was up to around 400. Now, by 1965, or like, yeah, 1965, this approach sort of became a little bit outdated, or that's what they thought. And Lambeth Council also then took over the responsibility, really, and the running of these um, children's homes. So I think in April 64, a regional inspector, and I think this is what made them change their mind in 1965, said really that these facilities, you know, weren't great. Um, and the house, and they, he said, because they had house mothers and house fathers, but the house mothers and stuff um, in these crowded cottages, because they were crowded, they were just shoved in, rarely achieved any high standard of care. Now that was in 1964. So then, of course, Lambeth Council stepped in and we all think, great, someone stepped in, you know, they're going to now, you know, change this sort of um, way that we um, treat children in care. And, um, oh my God, you know, the failings from there on were just shocking. Now, I want you to really remember this part that I'm going to tell you about this Shirley Oaks um, children's home because it had its own school it had its own medical centers and facilities it's you know its own leisure facilities for these children right up until it closed in 1983 now what's really relevant about that because if now these children have got no way of escaping this you know they can't go to an outside school and tell an outside teacher or an outside friend or something that's not related in this um, care home about anything that's going on. The medical facilities, you're not being taken to a hospital, you're being taken to a facility on site, aren't you? So again, you can't tell a doctor. A doctor's not really seeing if there's any physical damage to you done by the abuse that you have suffered, are they? Because really everything is kept in-house, everything even your leisure facilities. You're not going to a local park area, they're not doing this, that and the other. You are kept, aren't you? You are trapped. You are trapped with these people. So this is a really important point as we go through this, 
because these children had no escape from this. Now sort of an overview of the investigations and all the different operations and different things that you know was going on or that started going on. So Operation Trawler that was in July to November 1998 and this was led by Detective Chief Inspector Clive Driscoll. Now there's issues with this and you'll see clips later on about um, you know Driscoll's investigation and how it was stopped and this that and the other but that was the first investigation where issues were raised about what was going on in this um, um, Shirley uh, Oaks children home. The borough of Lambeth in South London, a prime focus for the independent inquiry into child sex abuse led by Justice Lowell Goddard. Her team will look at what went on in children's care homes here more than 30 years ago and review decisions taken by the police that are still contentious today. Perhaps none more so than what led to the removal of an officer from a sensitive inquiry and what happened to the information he had. And at the heart of this story is one fundamental issue, the uneasy relationship between the police and those in power. Now, I did 34 and a half years in the Metropolitan Police Service. I'm immensely proud to have been a police officer and immensely proud to be the Metropolitan Police Officer. But this is the one period in my career which just troubles me greatly. In 1998, Clive Driscoll was a detective working on a delicate case. Police in Liverpool had arrested a man called John Carroll. He was accused of offences in Liverpool and Lambeth. Carroll had been the manager of a children's care home in Lambeth and Driscoll's job was to pick up the London end of the inquiry. This story begins with Driscoll's investigation, Operation Trawler. The prime focus of inquiries was this man, John Carroll. He would eventually plead guilty to 35 charges of indecent assault and buggery of young boys in the 1970s and 80s. He was sentenced to 10 years in jail. Police in London continued to look into Carroll's past. They wanted to be sure the full extent of his abuse in Lambeth care homes had been uncovered. It was becoming clear there were still people who might be able to shed light on his activities. Driscoll investigated through the autumn of 1998. These confidential papers record the work he was undertaking. Driscoll was told Carol liked to get among well-known people in the local community, dignitaries, police officers, councillors. Scotland Yard launched its own internal review nearly three years ago. It's now being overseen by the Independent Police Complaints Commission. Now Justice Goddard has made Lambeth a priority. The questions they are looking at go to the heart of policing. Officers take an oath to act without fear or favour. Did they do that in this case? And also other homes related to Lambeth Council within this site, this area. And you'll see a picture of all the different sites up when you... Um, uh, but this was the first major, I think, investigation into allegations of abuse in these homes and that was in 1998. Now remember from July to November not a very big investigation that had no fault of um, Clive Driscoll, this chief inspector, he was stopped from doing his job. 
the next, I think, um, investigation, which you know the police said is a, a great investigation, a thorough investigation, um, and a lot of that of from this investigation. This was Operation Milton, and this was from July uh, November 1998 to July 2003. So quite a thorough, quite a long investigation, as it seems on paper. And they said that this operation, um, the Met Police said that they felt was one of their best operations they've had. Um, but to tell you the truth, when you're looking at the facts really and you're looking at you know the statistics of you know what makes a, a great operation come together, the success of an operation, especially over this period of time, you know, when you've only actually had three convictions of paedophiles in that time, I don't know if it was such a great investigation. And then we find out later on that the investigation from the first trawler investigation, there his work, Driscoll's work, his evidence, the people he wanted to interview, this, that and the other, wasn't then brought forward or investigated in this one. I don't know, there's some, I think there's some failings in that too. Good work because they brought a lot of people together and it, and it really, I suppose, opened up and, you know, on the surface looked like they was doing a great job. But I don't think when you only have three convictions out of around 40 different paedophiles um, that were known at that point and investigated at that point, I don't know if that's such a great, um, you can say that's really great or not. I'll leave that down to you. And then of course we've had the independent um, inquiry into sex abuse and that was from March 2016 to 2020. It has been thorough, but has it gone far enough? I'm not sure, I think it stopped short a little while there. I think it stopped short of saying, I think they have said that this wasn't paedophile rings, um, there wasn't corruption, there wasn't, you know, things going on here. I actually think there was, you know, and when we look at this case in its entirety, uh, the amount of paedophiles that were running there, who was employing these people, you know, how these paedophiles influenced people around them. Yeah, there was a paedophile ring here and there was multiple paedophile rings working out from um, this place, absolutely. And I think anyone that, that doesn't think that, you know, really, I mean, what you're trying to hide, really, because obviously there is a lot more going on under the surface of these um, investigations and this uh, abuse that happened to these many, many children in this place. It's, uh, you know, the stomach there's something and I think you know I've looked at this case quite quickly as I've said to you before many many people have took 18 months two years longer to investigate this case and it is their material that I am using to try and give you an overview really of what really happened in this Shirley Oaks children's home so okay we've had the sort of overview of it now let's get on to this case we're going to start with this inquiry heard that hundreds of children were subject to prolonged sexual, physical, racial abuse that paedophiles targeted Shirley Oaks Children Home Campus in Croydon in London, which could have housed up to 350 children plus, actually, and that closed in 1983. Now, it opened in 1905, and as I said, she, you know, um, there's not much records of it there, but listen, did paedophilia go on in 1905? Of course it did. Of course it did. Will we ever know about it? No, because no one ever spoke about it. No one ever did. These cases are from like the 70s, 60s and 70s that's come up where these people are still alive 
and they have given now their accounts of what's happened to them in this terrible, terrible place. So the victims were drugged, tortured, sexually assaulted by a very, by just loads of different paedophiles, all right? Not only the ones that worked in there, but some that were brought in, some that were hired to do things, some that done voluntary work there. You know, here we go, opening the door now to this viper's nest, aren't we, of paedophiles that's running around this place. It's like a bloody sweet shop, isn't it? For these people it must have been in them days free for all really bloody disgrace so listen we, the only thing i think that come out of this is this 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 report is really you know it's a damning report really and it's about the horrors of this lambeth council you know that in this children's home that they owned they run they had a responsibility they had duty of care to these children you know, right from the day that these children entered that home, the responsibility fell to Lambeth Council to run these homes in a way that these children were protected. Now, we live in a society, yes, that we know this goes on, right? Yes, we know it goes on. But these children's rights were terribly abused. Not only were some of them, you know, physically abused and sexually abused, they were emotionally abused. They would, you know, it made them feel like they were worthless. They were nothing. And this is how these people that were paid to do this job, to look after these children, whether they were paedophiles or not, made these children feel. They, that's how they made them feel. Worthless, unwanted, uncared for, unloved, used, abused. It's a disgrace. And we've, you know, this council, this lamp of council, has in the end result and they've admitted a responsibility because they know by law they have responsibility of duty of care to have keep this children all these children safe in that sort of environment so this is what this inquiry is about it's about looking at the failings and there was many and many people that have read this report said it's page after page after page after page of failings from social workers, from police, from councils, from other members of staff, you know, from doctors, from gosh, gosh, I mean, the failings are from across the board, really, of, of what happened to these children, really, of what happened to these children, it's, it's terrible, it's really terrible. It heard this report, you know, this inquiry, and it got it needed an inquiry, didn't it, this, this inquiry heard that these children, you know, were um, raped, indecently assaulted, sexually abused, and that they had um, complaints from about 705 former residents across three facilities. Um, and actually, I think, only I think one member of staff in that <laughs> was ever disciplined. One member of staff in all them years of abuse was only disciplined and you know didn't go to prison but was disciplined okay so when the children reported complaints it was stated at the time they were routinely disbelieved now we spoke about kids in care not being believed um before in other cases haven't we and it's it's true and i think this highlights it that these children had no voice at all for many many years in here I think one of them said that, you know, I was a lifer.
one of these survivors or victims, however you'd like them to be known or however they would like to be known, really. I think survivors is a good word because it shows that they have strength, you know, to come forward and do what they're doing here, to get people to know what really went on. But when you say that I was a lifer, you know, you're relating it to like a prison environment, aren't you? To this thing. And I, I think it's the wording that comes across, you know, from these survivors that really heart-wrenching really when you you hear them because for them there was no escape as I said they schooled there they you know they played there they was looked after there wasn't they they had their medical treatment was there they weren't believed they weren't believed they had no voice so then you've got an open door haven't we then for abuse the minute we take them rights away from children actually the minute we take them rights away from anywhere you are opening up then the door for abuse you really are. So okay, they're saying they know there were 705 people that come forward, but um, it is believed that it's much higher. And um, there's a lot sort of that's gone on here in, uh, in this, and this is where I want to speak about this young lad. Now, um, he, Peter Davis, his name was, he was 15 at the time when he was found, um, it said that it, he, they said that he had committed suicide in one of the toilets that Shirley Oaks toilets, he was 15 at the time. Um, his death was actually put down to uh, misadventure. And there's a lot going on actually in this inquiry and I think the police now, the, the, the inquiry has actually said, you know, that the Metropolitan Police now should come out um, and start an investigation, open investigation into this death of this child who was 15. Because two years prior to that, you know, this young lad, um, Peter had given evidence about or, or had stated about um, the abuse and that what was happening to somebody else so he'd give evidence within two years his boy was dead and he was found dead in the toilets of the um, Shirley Oak children's home. Now the issue is with that one yes he could have took his own life because of what the abuse and God knows what else was going on here that's he could have but the staff members never told police that he had been uh, or said allegations were made from him about sexual abuse or witnessing sexual abuse of other you know residents at this time so there is always then the minute you have somebody that's died in suspicious suspicious circumstances after making allegations like this and he's still in this children's home under the protection should we say of Lambeth Council and with the people that he's made the allegations against are still there you know safety is a thing here isn't it so I think it is correct that this um, inquiry has asked the Metropolitan Police to reopen this case of this this young lad you know and here's evidence um, has been put aside under the 100 year rule now that is because he was a child you know and I, I think that's why it was or it could be for other reasons but I would assume it was because he was a child but even so that evidence now this reinvestigation of this young lad's case is the, of the highest importance really to find out what really happened to this young lad because we've had many, haven't we, care homes and stuff for children all over the world, actually, 
that they have now found out that there's been multiple murders by some of these people to the residents of them homes. Now, we don't know, don't do we, about this young lad, this uh, Peter Davis, who was 15 at the time of his death. But yes, I would say it's suspicious, and yes, I would agree, and I think that everyone should be called in for an inquiry, uh, the reopening of this case, into mm -hmm. that. Because it's really, really important. You know, if nothing else comes out of this, you know, you, <laughs> this needs to be sorted, doesn't it? This boy should not have been allowed just, you know, misadventure. That, that was it. Closed, that's it. Evidence put away for a hundred years. It isn't right. It's not right. And it needs to be done. Something needs to be done here. So this inquiry, this into Lambeth Council, they looked, they examined, I think there are five facilities there, the Angle Road, South Fowler Assessment Centre, Shirley Oaks and Ivy House and Moncton Street, dating back to the 1960s. That's how far this inquiry went back. It reported highlighting cases of Michael John Carroll. Now I've done Michael John Carroll before and we'll be talking about Michael John Carroll um, in, in, this, in this video. Now, Michael John Carroll, if you haven't heard from him before, is a prolific paedophile. And uh, he was a member of the staff at Angle Road um, uh, Children's Home and he failed to disclose in 1970 that he already had uh, previous for a uh, conviction for child sexual abuse. But he retained um, his position, you know, when this was eventually come out. So they didn't get rid of him. So they found out that he had a 1970s conviction. He was hired by, you know, Lamb of Council. He was hired to run, you know, a house father or whatever they want to call him, to run um, <laughs> this um, angle. Uh, part of this, you know, Lambeth Council's children's home where he had total charge of everything even though he had um, an offence against him. Okay, he says that, they said that he lied on his, um, on it, on his application that he didn't say that he had a conviction and then I think it was another council or borough in London where he went to try and foster a child and they said no because they came up about this conviction then came up when he was trying to foster a child, a known paedophile, trying to foster a child at that point. And um, he, um, so he went back to the school and said, oh no, it, you know, what they're saying is, oh he said it's the police just sort of not just made it up, but it wasn't what it was meant to be. So they said, okay, don't worry and give him his job. Now, <laughs> right, so we didn't have a sex offenders register and everything like that really in them days. But when you have been told that you have a paedophile that's working in a children's home where every part of that child's life is dictated to by what goes on, schooling, doctors, everything, and then you put in charge of one of them houses that looks after these children, a paedophile, a known paedophile, someone that has had offences against children. You know, um, I, I, don't, I don't know now how they can get out of that. You know, whether they think it's a mistake, they've been told now. They've been told, they knew. 
and they still allowed him to retain his job. Actually, he ran it. He had total control over that house and them children. And also the hiring of other people to work in that house. Now, you, your definition of a paedophile ring may be different from mine. People think that a paedophile ring is the people that get together and rape and murder children. And that is sometimes the way they are. But paedophile rings run on one getting in to something and bringing others in. Right? So one, and this man, this Carol, loved the high profile. He wanted to be known. He loved it. But he had a lot of high profile friends, this man. And he had a lot of people, you know, these were teachers, these were social workers, these were, you know, different people from different walks of life. That he was hiring to work with these children. Now that's when it becomes a paedophile ring. Because now paedophiles know other paedophiles and know other paedophiles and know other paedophiles. And this is now why we have now paedophile rings joining, coming in to these children's home. Because really, you know, <laughs> who was going to stop them? Raymond Stevenson was a boy in one of Lambeth's care homes. 18 months ago, he set up a support group for survivors. It is now more than 600 strong. A music producer, he directed a video to highlight the issue of child abuse in Lambeth. He believes police avoided asking awkward questions. Do you think that he should have been spoken to by the police? I know the four links you're talking about, and of course he should have been spoken to. Anyone with those connecting pieces of information should be spoken to, whoever they are. Carol now lives in the Midlands. He declined to speak to us. Here he is with children in his care, pictures never seen before. By turns, he was charming terrifying, manipulative. Newsnight has heard many conflicting stories about Carol's world and who is in it. But most people can agree one thing. The story of child abuse in Lambeth and the story of John Carroll has never been fully told. So anyway, it turns out in the end, you know, of course, Janae's abused kids, has not he? He's done everything to these kids. And I think he was subsequently convicted in 1999 of 34 counts of child abuse, including boys and in the care of Lambeth, Lambeth councils between 1980 and 1983. The report found clear evidence of sexual offenders who were suspected of sexual abusing. They were co-workers in Lambeth council children's homes at the same time. And as I said, Carol had the role, didn't he, of recruiting staff and investigation, um, anything that was happening within this um, Angle Road home. Everything would stop with him, wouldn't it? Really. So I think this report said that through such poor practice and its failure to respond to concerns and allegations, Lambeth Council put vulnerable children in the path of adults known or suspected of being perpetrators of sexual child abuse. Absolutely, they opened the bloody door, really, didn't they? By knowing, this is what's so bad about this case, they knew what was going on.
no one did nothing. Whether that was a paedophile or not, no one did nothing. I think this report also said that these paedophiles and these people, you know, described these sex offenders, uh, felt like they had this feeling of being untouchable and the children were left feeling isolated and ignored. I think they felt bloody more than isolated and ignored, really, probably bloody suicidal at this rate. You've got no stopping this abuse, no stopping it at all for these poor children. Isolated and bloody ignored. That's, the, that's just nothing to say about these poor victims. The report identified this culture of this cover-up and this lack of concern on the day-to-day -day lives of these children. Absolutely, there was a cover-up. There was a paedophile rings, there was covers up, there was a cover-up, of course there bloody was a cover-up. This went on for bloody years. 705 people have come forward so far. 705, most of the other people are dead by now, right? They're dead, or they're too scared to come forward because their lives have been absolutely destroyed by what was going on. These people were made to feel unworthy, unwanted, uncared for. They were abused sexually, physically, you know, got every sort of abuse that you can possibly think of. And we wonder why people don't come forward. They wasn't heard then. And you'll hear some stories in a minute of where these kids tried to say. They tried. You can understand really that, that, that this is a tip of the iceberg, 705 people come forward, tip of the iceberg with this. I think this report, as I said, this, you know, any inquiry is good, but the inquiry should be thorough, absolutely thorough. And I don't care who you are, what you do for a living or anything else, you need to be interviewed. You need to be interviewed. You need to tell what you know. You need to be held to account if you've done anything that you shouldn't have done. You know, you need, we need as a public to know because we don't live in them times anymore where children are being made to keep quiet, to have no voice. We don't live like that. Children have rights. We now have people like myself and others that do much, much to get these cases out there, to be heard, to make people aware of what's going on. And so the police should really, especially now in this case, really, really open another investigation, really, into a lot more people that they didn't investigate at the time when this first, second um, inquiry or you know, operations by the police was going on. If you're going to do an inquiry or an operation or an investigation into paedophiles, paedophile rings, you need to really get more than three convictions to make anyone feel that you've actually done your job right. Now I'm going to go into survivor stories. As I said, if this case for you at this point, you don't feel that this is for you as we go forward now into these sort of survivor stories, it's their truth, they need to be heard. And so this is why um, I've chose, and I could only choose a few because there was so many, I couldn't possibly get them all in. This one says, I have suffered all my life. Survivors tell of this abuse of the Shirley Oak children home. Four siblings from the same family described their experiences while in care in South London. Several members of the Donnelly family spent time in Shirley Oaks Children's Home in Croydon, where um, people had described suffering sexual abuse, uh, physical abuse and racial abuse. 
Survivors say Shirley Oaks Children's Home was a paedophile's paradise. Allegations were made against 177 staff and others linked to the home. Shane Donnelly was abused by a man living there unofficially. There was no escape. It's weird how I, I, I blocked a lot out. Uh, I, I've walked with that shame and kind of kept it to myself and battled with kind of depression and all what it contains. You know, um, uh, I found it very difficult. Um, yeah. I'm going to read it. it. Describes what four brothers and sisters describe what happened happened to them in this home. Uh, and I think they're actually also appealing for information about her mum, and we'll go into that in a little while longer. And you'll see why they're appealing for information about the mother as we sort of finish um, with this sort of insight into what they've said. So um, Shane, and I think with Shane, I've got. Um, a clip actually of him speaking as well so you'll you'll see that he said i was a lifer at shirley oaks i was there from april uh, 1968 and i was aged one until it closed in 1983 and he's the one that calls it himself a lifer at its peak there were 400 kids uh, there and when they were out and about playing it was really fun because they were free they're out and about playing in the grounds, they were free. We didn't know what the others were going through. That all they was going through the same stuff as what they was. I was abused over nine year period. It was sexual, physical and racial. At one point, when I was 12, I tried to commit suicide. I didn't tell anyone about the abuse until 2014. I was at a funeral of a friend and I got a few of us together. I didn't want the perpetrators to get away with it, the authorities to get away with it. I wanted justice. I called Raymond Stevenson, who'd set up a survivors group, Shirley Oaks um, Survivors Association. Elizabeth Donnelly. I went to Shirley Oaks, aged two, in 1955. I was there until I was 15. I was raped when I was eight years old. Uh, this went on for about two years. The man told me if I told anybody, my mum would be sent to prison. I didn't tell anyone. I was quite horrified. It was quite horrifying, really. I had a breakdown in my 30s when I started to relive what had happened to me. I was interviewed as part of the Operation Middleton Inquiry. I've had flashbacks. 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with complex post-traumatic disorder. I have suffered the repercussions of what happened to me in Shirley Oaks Children's Home all my life. Kevin Donnelly, 61. I was in Shirley Oaks from 1962 to 1975. I left when I was 18. I didn't tell anyone about what happened to me until the police approached me as part of Operation Middleton. The police were investigating William Hook, who is a swimming teacher or was a swimming teacher 
or instructor in Shirley Oaks at the time. I was abused by Hook. I gave evidence against him and he was jailed for 10 years. I hadn't said anything to anyone before this because I was ashamed. Hook abused me when I was 13 and it went on until I was 16. When I, it stopped when I could fight back. Theresa Donnelly, 59. I went into Shirley Oaks at the age of 18 months. I was six years old when I was abused. I was sexually abused. I went on, it went on for quite a while. At six years old, I didn't think that I could comprehend really, she's saying, what was happening to her. I always knew something had happened to me. I can see him, I can hear him to this day. My mum took us out on a day trip to London. In the train station, I wanted to go to the toilet. When I went there, I started to cry as it hurt down below. She asked me why I was crying and I told her that it hurt down there. Um, she came to the home and smashed every window. She got arrested that day. She knew her children were being abused and she couldn't do anything about it. She had the struggle of her children being taken off her. She had tried to fright, fight the system. Um, and really, listen, you know, in them days, and even nowadays, you know, it's very hard to fight this system. And I think that she says her heart goes out to her mum. Her mum disappeared 30 years ago and they do not know what happened to her. I think there's another thing we need to have a look at and I haven't really looked into this case of this woman. I don't know if they found her so I'd like if anyone knows if they have found her or not to give me some information that would be really good. But you know it's a it's a suspect isn't it when you the mother you are a mother and you you've lost your rights to your children for one reason or another. You get your children on day trips that you can take them out and you find that your child or children are being abused in the home that's meant to protect them better than you can, really. And then you smash every window, you get arrested and then you disappear. It's a worry in itself, that. That was their story. So Shirley Oaks' man, another man, is Philip Wells. Um, he was repeatedly sexually abused at a children's home and he revealed it after really he kept this dark secret for nearly six decades, 60 years. And this happens to a lot of people that are abused. They don't want to say it because it's shameful. They don't want to bring up their memories. This is how they feel. You know, they've been told to keep quiet. They've had no voice for so long. So, you know, for someone to actually come out and say it, it can sometimes be very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. But this is his story. Now, Philip done a, um, an interview with Sky News and he told about his ordeal at Shirley Oaks Children's Home and this inquiry was published, wasn't it, into the scale of sexual abuse that suffered by these youngsters, um, you know, in the care of Lambeth Council. So nearly six decades, Paul Phil, uh, Philip Wells, sorry, carried a dark secret with him that he couldn't even share with his wife. At the age of 10, he was taken into care of Lambeth Council. Um, when he uh, says that he was repeatedly sexually abused 
sexually assaulted by a teacher while staying at the children's home. Over the course of seven months, at this notorious um, Shirley Oaks or uh, Shirley Hill campus as it's called really, Mr Wells said that the abuse was about two to three times a week when this happened to him. He, um, despite reporting his injuries at the time to staff, they literally just turned a blind eye. Literally. He had nowhere to go, did he? They didn't care. They didn't want to listen. This man was abused at the age of 10. You know, <laughs> two to three times a week. And Philip says it was only really once he had left there. I think he went in there because his mum was ill. So it was like a short break for him. Thank God, really. Thank God. Anyway, after he left that he realised, you know, this you know, this was wrong, something was going on, not all schools are like this, but he had a terrifying feeling then of being in schools or around teachers and you can understand, can't you, why? So really then this boy didn't really want to go to school. Uh, now he is one of them that has uh, waived his rights to anonymity. He wants to be told, he wants to be seen, he wants to be heard, he wants to tell his story. And um, as he said, he was abused by this, um, you know, after a swimming lessons and stuff by the swim teacher and we heard a lot about this swim teacher and you'll be hearing you know from a lot of different victims and I've read the loads and there's a lot about this man and I'll be showing you some pictures and we'll be going over some stuff about him in a minute when we have a look at the, um, the actual paedophile list or some of them should I say um, and he also he said when he was preparing for a Christmas pantomime he was also abused then but this was two to three times a week of sexual abuse that this man had suffered you know, for a good few years there, it was, um, it's, it's very sad. As he said, he feels it was because he was blue-eyed, you know, he was this little blue-eyed, blonde-haired boy, you know, with a choir voice. Uh, he said he, he feels like they must have thought, oh, a little angel had been sent here, you know, for this lot, really. This, yeah, it's, it's terrible, isn't it, really? But this is what you are um, thinking about, you know, as and I've said to you, many, many paedophiles have certain looks they want. Certain looks they want. And, you know, blue-eyed, blonde hair is a lot of the time the looks they want. He said, I can remember visually in my mind. Um, they're not really flashbacks, he says, but it's constantly on my mind. Um, now, as I said, the, this inquiry heard that hundreds, hundreds um, of children were subjected to the same sort of behaviour as these ones that I have mentioned. As I said, I cannot do all of them as we will be here for a week. There's that much on this case. Uh, Leon women had prolonged sexual, um, physical, racial abuse and paedophiles did target groups of paedophiles. Paedophile rings targeted Shirley Oaks Children Home run by Lambeth Council. And I think with, with um, actually Mr. Wells, he came forward because he saw this Rotherham um, Children's um, Sexual Exploitation scandal that was going on. And he says it was the people, when he was watching that, he thought, these victims, these survivors of this, this abuse, to come forward, you know, and he, it gave him then this insight, you know, he's like, okay, I can do this, I need to tell this story, I need to get what happened to me out there. And so that's why then, then he contacted, um, Raymond Stevenson's and then he told him then to ring the police he gave evidence then um, about what happened to him. So listen, this survivors group, this Shirley Oaks Survivors Association is there. I think um, 
I think that, not that that closes, but I think that you can, if you have been affected by anything that's happened in any of this Shirley Oaks um, or any of the houses attached, you know, to this sort of Canberra Council, you should contact them. I'll leave some links down there for you. I think you've got till 2022 to put in a claim for some compensation if you um, were abused in any way by what, you know, these people at this time. Um, so make yourself heard. It sometimes it is good to talk about it, but you know I can understand if you just want to forget and move on, as many have done. As I've said, not only can I not name all the victims or the survivors of this terrible abuse over this many years, I also can't or haven't got the time to mention every paedophile that worked its way through this children's home either. So there is a certain amount, and I think that um, Raymond Stevenson is brought out or has got a, um, a report, I think that he did done when he set this up, of a list of um, some of the serious, um, you know, paedophiles that, you know, are known to have abused a lot of these kids. But also there's other lists on here. So, I mean, I can only, I just haven't got the time, even though I'd love to do it on every one of these paedophiles. So the main characters here are, as we've said before, with this Michael John Carroll, nasty piece of work, been going for many, many years. So this shocking example of this Michael John Carroll who ran this, you know, um, Angle Road um, children's home in Brixton. In 1966, he was 18 at the time when his first conviction, so that's the first one we know of, um, and this was in the uh, Wirral um, Magistrates Court, and he, that was his charge was indecent assault, I think, then, on a child, on a young boy, in the care at um, St Ed Edmund's Orphanage in the Wirral. So that was his first charge. This uh, paedophile, Lace Married, moved to London in March 1978, took up a job at Lambeth's Highland Road Children's Home before becoming the officer in charge. Uh, at Angle uh, Road in 1981. This is on this site, you know, of uh, Shirley Oaks site. The inquiry found that Carol did not disclose his convictions, as I spoke about before. Um, so I think in 1985 and 86, Carol and his wife, because he's married, wife made efforts to foster a child um, in the care of the Croydon Council who conducted background checks, other officers at Croydon Council actually discovered that 1966 um, conviction and refused the application. Thank God that someone was looking. Thank God. So while also telling Carol that they would give him a month to inform his employers, that wouldn't happen these days, I'll tell you that now. If you have been done for any child um, abuse in any way, uh, have any um, charge against you or crime, you know, it's not going to give you a month now to tell. I mean, you know, one minute I'm sticking up this Croydon Council, now I'm thinking, what are you thinking? To tell a man that's been charged with abusing a child that he's got one month to tell his employers about what's happened. Listen, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't happen these days. I'm telling you that now. But anyway, they refused his application and told him to go and do that. So according to this IICSA report, David Pope on Lambeth Council assisted director personal services, social work, um, and um, Wayneford Jones, senior personal officer, 
conducted disciplinary proceedings after Carroll finally admitted that he had a conviction of indecent assault. Despite the contradictions, Lambeth Council, Lambeth recorded, sorry, that the accounts of Carroll and the police um, differed only slightly and that the IICSA found that the disciplinary panel, panel downplayed this significantly um, of this incident. So, where he should have been sat and removed from that position, you know, this discipline here, because you've lied on your application, you haven't said that you have any form of sexual offences against you, right, you've lied. So then they took you to an in-house sort of, you know, disciplinary hearing. And they said, oh, well, <laughs> you can carry on. Anyway, he was given a final written warning for failing to disclose the conviction and allowed to continue his career until 1991. How many people do you think he abused throughout that time, this man? It's, it's just shocking anyway. Carol continued to work again at this uh, in this house uh, for another five years until he was sacked for fraud. So again, we think more of fraud, you know, monetary loss than we do of physical abuse of a child, you know, and stuff. Oh dear, oh dear, I don't know. Now, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to listen. This Carol is a weird one, right? So investigations later found that he had implemented a type of therapy, you know, termed direct work. You know, because he was working with children, you know, who had been I, but you know, um, they were in there for a reason. You know, these were vulnerable children. So he has set up this therapy termed, you know, direct work, which supposedly involved children expressing feelings of grief, trauma through role play. Really? But reports emerged that this bizarre and inappropriate scenarios, including one social worker describing adults crawling around the floor in nappies, and on occasion where Carol shared a photo of a child in their underwear. But that's not all he shared, that's what they've just seen. In 1999, the full extent of Carol's abuse emerged and he pleaded guilty to 34 sex um, assaults on boys at the children's home in Wirral and in London between 1966 and 1986. 34 sexual offences. <laughs> so you're telling me that they have said there was no paedophile ring in this. When you have grown men being brought into a therapy session with young children crawling around in nappies. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, this sick man was jailed for 10 years. Not enough. He's out now, living somewhere else. He's out. Let's talk about William Hook. Now, William Hook was from 1964 to 1974. William Hook lived in Shirley Oaks Cottages with children in his care at Lambeth Council for 10 years from 1964. Another predator that's living there amongst these children that cannot escape, remember. He did so free of charge in return for 
um, providing swimming lessons. So he got free rent and accommodation and he was allowed to abuse children because no one was saying anything because he gave free swimming lessons. And he was one of the people that, like Philip Wells has talked about, hadn't he, being this swimming lesson. He was also had the role as house father or social uncle. In February 1974, the police were called to a hotel by staff concerned about the welfare of a young teenage boy who was staying with Hook in the room at the hotel, commenting that they had significant information about Hook and expressed surprise, actually, that he had ever worked with children. Staff at Shirley Oaks um, already had concerns about Hook's behaviour and it was revealed um, and he was actually, um, there were several sort of uh, referrals and sort of widespread spread rumours. Now, we're not saying every teacher, you know, in this place was a predator or a paedophile or whatever. But, you know, how bad are you? You know, that you've heard rumours, this, that and the other, and no one does nothing. You're just as bad as them, aren't you? If you're not going to come forward and try and fight for the rights of these children and you're working there, you know, you're just as bad, really. You're just as bad. And to tell you the truth, it doesn't look like that any of the evidence or any of these rumours or any of these little referrals that were, were um, said about this man were actually ever acted upon. Shocking, isn't it, really? Anyway, let's talk about Geoffrey Clark. Jeff Clark was a computer programmer who worked for Lambeth Council between 1969 and 1991. He was also a volunteer at Shirley Oaks from around 1973. The phase they used, you know, as this social uncle, you know, for these children, spending a lot of time with them at weekends and taking the children on holiday abroad alone. I mean, that wouldn't happen these days. So you have a man that's voluntary going now <laughs> into a children's home at weekends, you know, in his free time, at the goodness of his heart, really. And also taking these children away abroad on holidays. <laughs> anyway, there was also rumours about Clark. One Lambeth Council social worker said between 1970 and 1978 recalls that staff in 1998 Clark um, was convicted of sexual abuse of three children, none linked to Lambeth Council, and was sentenced to three years in prison. Further allegations were made against Clark by children in the care of Lambeth and elsewhere between 2000 and 2002 during Operation Middleton. Um, he was also charged with a number of offences and indecent assault and possession of indecent images. In March 2003, he took his own life on the day of his trial, that we, the day it was actually due to start. Lambeth Council were aware of at least 49 children, including 37, in its care who had alleged sexual abuse from Clark. I think it's Donald um, Housegood, I think. Donald were, and his wife were appointed jointly as house parents in, uh, at Shirley Oaks in May 1968. Now, child victims LA and LA69 described abuse by him over an eight-year period in 1970s when she was six or seven years old. He also um, then abused a girl uh, with who she shared a bedroom um, and this was this LA69. He um, told this young girl 
that if she said anything about his behaviour to anyone that he would kill her. She was terrified of him. In 1975, he was tried for 11 charges of rape and indecent assault involving four children. His trial collapsed after four days. The children were, the children who made the alleged uh, allegations against him um, were not offered any support actually by Lambeth Council or from the criminal justice system. L A and A 25 who gave evidence at this trial left care and her job and received uh, no report. So less than two years after his trial, L2 found was found dead in the bathroom at Shirley Oaks. Now, we now know that that represents, don't we, Peter Davis, who was found dead. So he tried to give evidence and it was found that um, he, he couldn't do it. Anyway, we've talked about him. Terrible, really. His sister said that this reinvestigation into the limited degree by this Operation Middleton, which ran from 1998 to 2003, six um, complaints including three um, involving the 1975 trial came forward to make allegations of sexual abuse against him. Uh, three further potential witnesses were also identified including the child with a special education needs, a number of individuals um, including children who were at Shirley Oaks at the time um, that might have been sexually abused by him. Despite this Metropolitan Police Service did not speak to him during Operation Middleton. Now, I've spoke earlier about this Operation Middleton and I've said there was people they should have spoke to, should have spoke to, and they didn't. And you think, why not? Why not? And so this is my, yes, I think it's, you know, we brought this up and we've got people, haven't we, coming forward out of this uh, investigation, this Middleton investigation. But when you have a, someone like this, and you have a murder or a suspect murder, of, of which could be, uh, of a child that has been a witness to something and then two years suspicion is found dead. You know, this, you know, misadventures, death in the bathroom. You know, there's issues here. And this man was no way spoken to by this police force. You know, this Operation Milton. With all these allegations against this man, why not? And this is the failings of this. So I know the, the police think it's great that they've had all this, but when you only have three convictions in this Middleton, you know, um, inquiry, it, it, you have to ask why. You have to ask why. Especially when there were so many allegations against this man. Okay, so Detective Inspector D.I. Simon Morley told the inquiry that uh, this um, Mr. Uh, Pedophile, um, is it uh, Hosgood, was not pursued because officers mistakenly believed that all the allegations made against him were dealt with in 1975. Right? Miss Hodgson confirmed that the children's home of Lambeth Inquiry, called Chile, mistakenly believed that he had died and some individuals who came forward and said about this. So, okay, you think someone's, I mean, you're, you know, <laughs> I'm sure the police can find out whether someone's died or not. But anyway, and I think they would have, should have gone back over old records if that's their excuse of why they hadn't um, interviewed this man. It's not enough, is it? You're meant to have a thorough inquiry. So if he wasn't thorough on that, how can we believe you're thorough on anything else that you're doing in this relation, you know, in relation to this, these cases? 
Anyway, he died in 2011 without being a subject to any further police investigation. Another one gone without, you know, any redress for these victims. So anyway, Philip Temple, 1975 to 1977. In 1975, Philip Temple was employed as a house father at Shirley Oaks, although Lambeth Council were not aware of it. He had left his previous employment at Wandsworth Council Children's Home after two children made allegations of sexual abuse. Temple was not charged by the police, but he resigned. In 1977, two young boys at Shirley Oaks had made allegations that they had been sexually abused by Temple. Their social care files record um, at that time that they were interviewed by Detective Constable in the presence of their social worker, one child twisted in a chair and his face uh, and hid his face and cried. And the social worker noted that at this point, this DC almost ran out of the room saying that he would not question him further. He was too young. He had later said um, that he had not questioned anyone as young as this, um, these two before in this case, um, like this in this sort of case before. So what, was he scared? Do you think they didn't have, I mean, you know, listen, this is what annoys me with this case. You know, you have a police officer, don't you? A DC. Surely you're trained, even in them days, to go in and when you've seen a child and a young child that's sitting there, tiny, young, helpless, and a social worker brought you in to talk, you know, to these children about their allegations of, of abuse. But you don't want to talk to them children because they're too young. You can't handle it. What do you mean they're handling? You know, this is the failings of this case. This is, this is what I mean, this is the mentality of this case. To walk away and leave a child in a room, you know, because you can't handle it. Shouldn't even be a police officer. Shouldn't even be there. Shouldn't even, a, a DC. <laughs> Shouldn't even be there. If that's what you can't handle. They're too young. Shocking. So anyway, Finally, I think the next day the social worker says that these children were recalled to the police station. They'd probably be interviewed by someone that could actually handle what they was doing, really. That could listen to that sort of thing and think, okay, we need to stop these people from abusing these children. That's, you know, what's happened here. This house father had been uh, interrogated for the second time and this afternoon and he, and he had threatened suicide. You know, I say, oh dear, I'm going to commit suicide. You know, it's about my career and everything. And he said the children fabricated all this. It's all fabricated wasn't me. I'm a teacher. You're going to ruin my career. The police said, okay. <laughs> okay. You know. Uh, they believed him. They believed him that these two young children, you know, so young that you found it difficult to interview. So young that you felt that they could fabricate that sort of thing to make someone lose their job. Really. Really. Anyway, Temple went uh, on to abuse other children, and in 1998 to 1999, he was prosecuted for a free offence of indecent assault on a boy 15, and that had happened in 1997. He was acquitted, but later pleaded guilty to two counts of perjury relating to this trial. In April 2016, Temple pleaded guilty to 29 counts of child sexual abuse relating to 13 victims. 
four of the children had been in the care of Shirley Oaks Children's Home between 1976 and 1977. And he had provided information, um, and that, sorry, they had provided then information to the, the Operation Middleton. Temple was sentenced to 12 years in prison, although he was, this was increased 18 years by the Eternal, Attorney General on the basis that they found that this sentence, the first sentence of 12 years, was unduly lenient. So this how bad, this pervert, this paedophile, you know, who, you've got allegations going on, you've allowed him to go back to work, he's abused more, sadistically, to get 18 years. And when you have an Attorney General that thinks that 12 years is not enough, I'm going to give you 18, you are not a nice person. Believe it. These poor children. Patrick Grant, 1977 to 1985. In May 1977, Temple was replaced at Shirley Oaks by Patrick Grant, who became an officer in charge at one of the cottages in August 1977. Patrick Grant was subsequently to work in South Fowl between July the 14th, I think, 1980, and the 15th of October, 1981. In February 1978, he was charged with 10 counts of indecent assault on seven boys. Five of the children had been in the care where he had worked for a different borough at that time and two of the children lived in Shirley Oaks Cottage. Um, one of these children from Shirley Oaks was also one of the children who had disclosed that they had been sexually abused by, by Philip Temple. In December 1978, Grant's trial stopped after six days resulting in an acquittal. Despite being accused of uh, sexual abuse by two groups of children from two different boroughs, senior staff in social care did not undertake any further investigation or institute disciplinary proceedings after his acquittal. In 2019, Grant was convicted of eight counts of child sex abuse, including in respect of one child who had been at Shirley Oaks in, um, in their care of Lambeth Council in 1970. Lambeth Council is now aware of at least 15 children who, had, who have alleged sexual abuse from Grant, eight of whom were in its care. Now, and see, now we've, you've gone from one paedophile that's gone and you've hired another paedophile who's took his place. But we're saying there was no paedophile ring going on here at this time. What a load of bloody nonsense, really. Of course there was. Of course there was. Listen, there's big issues here, isn't there, really? When you look in, and I've only just, this is just tip of the iceberg, isn't it, here, what I've done? Tip of the iceberg. I've tried to give you an overview of everything that's going on. But I want to now come back to what was actually going on in London at the time. What this mindset of these paedophiles like? They're infiltrated, aren't they? They're school teachers, they're this, they're that. They're running this, they're in the councils, they're in what? government everywhere right they're everywhere aren't they right they're infiltrating and we know they was in government because we have this you know paedophile exchange um uh, paedophile information exchange coming up around that time and they was trying to get into government and it was coming out that they wanted you know they jumped on the bandwagon didn't they about you know um for homosexuals the age limit to be dropped that's how they first got in they'd actually already been given grants from the government to, you know, set up this. But no, what they were, they were paedophiles. They were paedophiles. Paedophile 
information exchange. It says it in the bloody title. But then see, in 1983, when these people thought they could go on TV, they could, you know, <laughs> this is London, right? They've had grants from the government, about £35,000 actually, you know, to help set this up. And not that the government knew that they wanted the age limit of young children to change. They believed that at this point, right, that um, they was more talking about that. They didn't sort of realise until much later on that um, uh, they're really mindset. And I'm telling you now um, that Carol was another one in that, that he believed that I think the age limit for a child to consent to sex was four years old. Right, so I'm going to show you a clip of that. And I've used this clip before because it does show you the mindset of a paedophile. The mindset. Now don't forget, these paedophiles weren't working on fairs, right? Like the Dirty Dozen Gang or Hissing Sidge, you know, they, they weren't. These were in good jobs. Carol loved mixing with high society. That's what he wanted to do. You know, paedophiles come from all walks of life. All walks of life. And I think this pie, as they're called, for sure, this interview that you're going to see is shocking. But it gives you an idea of not only what these children were up against, really, but at that time what society was up against. Class would feel that a developed consideration for children would uh, involve leaving children alone sexually to find their own way for themselves with their own peer groups and not with adults. Yes, I would be all in favour for um, of uh, children finding their own way sexually, but I think also that adults have a part to play because children are one part of the whole society. It isn't. It isn't a, the society where we. Um, separate children from adults. What do you feel? I feel that uh, PI is not a procurement agency for children, never has been and never will be. Our political objectives um, include developing a society where children uh, are given a much higher status than today, where they are recognised as individuals in their own right, and this includes recognising their right to certain sexual freedoms whilst protecting them from the kind of criminal assaults which took place in Brighton. But surely it's a question of recognising children's maturity and how can you have an equal relationship, which is what I take a mature sexual relationship to be, between an adult and a child who is not mature in body, in mind or personal awareness. It has to be unequal. I, I don't accept that uh, this concept of maturity at all. Um, uh, adults, for instance, aren't necessarily mature. It's a long process. Well, I take it for granted that no adult is probably ever mature, but nevertheless, my state of maturity, or your state of maturity, is clearly different from that of a child of 12. How can there be an equal relationship which allows them sex, which is usually a shocking experience for everybody at some time or another? How can you allow an equal relationship between two people so unequally
position that the starting off point. I don't, accept, that, I don't accept that sex is a, is a spontaneously shocking experience. I don't think at some stage or other there is an element of shocking sex. Not if children are properly educated about sex, and it's uh, an obligation on society to see that children are given a far more comprehensive sexual education from a far earlier age. But in that case, they find it out, they discover this with people of their own age and in, and in their own time. And it is the question of inequality, which I come back to, which I think you have an answer. Indeed, by, by your lights, the, the, relation, the relationship is unequal in the same, in the same way that a teacher-child relationship is unequal, in the same way that a parent-child relationship is unequal. The teacher is not exploiting the child's sex. And nor is a pedophile. Pedophiles do not exploit children. Child pedophiles are using the child's, the child's sexuality. No, pedophiles do not use a child's sexuality. Pedophiles develop a mutual sexuality with the child. It's an entirely reciprocal relationship. But you can't say that because of this business of immaturity and the inequality of the relationship. Yes, but the definition of maturity is yours. We don't share it. Well, what is your definition of maturity in this context? Now, how can a child of 12 make a mature judgment about something like sex for the first time, which it has not the first idea about, and cannot possibly weigh the consequences of it? You're imputing to a sexual relationship heavy judgmental issues. Which no, I'm, not, are, I'm talking about a physical and psychical response. Yes. A physical, a child is able to recognize a, a pleasurable experience. He is able to recognize um, a, a pleasing emotional experience. Um, he is able to express consent and to, to recognize that this is something he wishes to continue. Uh, and a responsible, um, caring pedophile um, it always refers to the um, wishes of the child. The reading is shocking. So listen, you know, the Lambeth Council now has accepted all these failings really in this care and they've apologised, haven't they, you know, to the inquiry and they are now being hit up for millions, I think it was, um, I don't know, it's, I don't know, 77 million at the moment, I can't remember now what it is, it's a lot of money that they're having to pay out in compensation. So as I said, the compensation sort of thing ends in 2020. So if you have been affected by anything to do with this home or you want to talk to somebody, you know, you can talk to the Shirley Oaks Survivors Group. Um, there, there, I'll leave some links for you. So listen, this has been a case, hasn't it, of ups and downs. Yes, I get emotional, but who wouldn't? Yes, I get pissed off when I hear these things and I hear police officers and, and, and people, paedophiles getting jobs and keeping jobs and, you know, abusing children that have no way of escape here. I think anyone would. But I hope I've, I've opened the doors for you to do some more investigation. So I'm going to leave some links of the people that really worked hard, really, on these cases and took 18 months, two years, three years of investigation and stuff and I've only used certain clips but if you want to see the whole clips the links there will be there for you so thank you as remember you can subscribe um, you know by hitting the subscribe button you can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram you can catch this up on podcast on let's have a chat about murder this is going to be definitely brought up on murder mornings on Thursday mornings and I know we're going to have lots come back from it but listen if you are in any way a victim of anything that we have spoken about here please talk to someone you know please do and i'll leave as many numbers and different things and 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 addresses and email addresses and stuff and stuff as i can to help you to, for you to get some help so thank you for watching until the next time bye bye